not me, but what God says through me and through the text to transform lives. <clears throat> and I'm wondering today how many people are really ready to be transformed by the power of the Word of God. I hope that's you. I really, really do. That's how I approach this, and uh, I'm trusting today that um, this will make a difference to you. <clears throat> Christmas time is not very far away. Two weeks from today, we'll be celebrating Christmas Eve services, Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, uh, Sunday night. You know the Sunday morning service is not a normal service. Old habits die hard. This is new. Our Christmas Eve service is on Sunday morning as well. It's the same as the two evening services, so be prepared. If you'd like to come then, fabulous. And use those invitations and bring people here who need to know of Jesus. But listen, it's coming. And, and, and you know, we recognize that Christ has come into this world, a fantastic and remarkable moment in time. Sometimes the uh, frequency, every single year, you know, we kind of get blinded somehow to the reality that God came to us in Christ. And, and, you know, he's come into our world. I have thought in preparation for today, you know, what do I think of this world of ours? And I'll ask you the same question. What do you think of this world? Um, I'm kind of ambivalent about it. Sometimes, you know, I can look at the positives and I can say, man, incredible things are happening. We're getting better. I think of medical advances and how people are living to an older age and people who are sick are better cared for and made well. I think about how poverty in the world at large has dramatically been reduced in the last decade. That is fantastic. I think of technology. I love my smartphone. And our capacity to communicate with one another is remarkable. I think about, you know, the, the equality that's been offered to women and other, and other groups. In many ways, there are incredible things happening in our world. On the other hand, I think of our world and I think, oh my goodness, things aren't great. Very simply, the violence that we see in our news broadcasts every single day is a remarkable thing. Terrorism, 9-11, you know, the rise of ISIS and the brutality that uh, they brought into the Middle East. I think of brutality of human being toward human beings, and it's just an incredibly sad thing. I think of famines. It seems every, at all times there's a famine somewhere. Have you thought of that? South Sudan right now and many countries in that area. Uh, people are dying. I saw a news broadcast this week that talked about Yemen, I believe. I was literally falling asleep at night, 10 o'clock news. And I think it's Yemen, but it said there, and it struck me profoundly, one child dies every 10 minutes from starvation, and they showed the emaciated bodies of little children. That is horrific. That is awful. Um, it's a reality in our world. I think of our own country, and, you know, again, so much good, and, you know, we're blessed with peace, and we're blessed with good governance and the rule of law, the institutions that, that we've been given from our history. At the same time, the reality is that in, 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 in so many ways, our country has rejected the way of God, the rule of God, the law of God in our country, and, and, and we, we worship the idols of materialism and sexuality and on and on, and we actually celebrate uh, human beings doing what they wish in a way that's incredibly contrary to what God wishes. So which is it? Are we better off or are we worse off in this world of ours this Christmas season? For two weeks, I want to take you to a, a passage that I love, Isaiah chapter 9, um, and think about this very question and think about the power and the meaning and the significance of the birth of Jesus. This book was written by the prophet Isaiah some 700 plus years before the birth of Christ. The context literally is one of doom and gloom. Um, chapters 1 through 8, the previous chapters to the one we're going to be looking at, are all about how, God, how the, God's people have been unfaithful to him. 
Um, particularly regarding idolatry, God cares so much about the re reality of his people worshiping other things. Um, Isaiah's view is the, of the world really is quite negative in that regard. Things aren't good at all in Israel. The focus of his comments are about how God is going to use the mighty Assyrian army, think Syria when I say Assyria, that will come from the north and it will, it will conquer the people of God and, and God will bring judgment on his people in a significant and terrible way, if you would. The goal is to restore Israel to himself. Um, but the news isn't good. Things are bad. Uh, and Isaiah sees it. But among these eight chapters of judgment, there are glimpses of hope weaved into the text because God is good. Chapter 7, uh, verse 14, talks about a virgin, and I quote, will be with child and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. This is the text that's quoted in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. You know, that one will come. And in chapter 9, there is this, there is this focus on what God will do through one who is called Messiah. How into the dark reality God will bless his people through the Messiah. And it's here um, I want to tell you, my friends, that we, we are brought to the reality of the coming of Christ into this world and what that coming would do to the world, in the world. It's a fabulous chapter. I want to read it for you. Let me read uh, chapter 9, verses 1 to 7. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of darkness, and now you know the context, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. See, this text starts with a promise that there will be no more gloom. The New Living Translation, I love it, it says this, the time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. There is hope. And it says how God will bless Galilee, which is, of course, the home of Jesus for most of his life. You know, we've got this promise of one coming. And then there's this beautiful statement that captures the promise that people walking in darkness have seen a great light, verse 2. People walking in darkness have seen a great light, and those living in the land of the shadow of, of death, a, a light has dawned. You hear the, the optimism? You hear the hope? The reality is that while there is direct implication for what's going on for the people of Israel in this day there's also a speaking to the reality of all people who live in rebellion against God it speaks to the reality of people who are under the judgment of God it speaks to the reality of, of what God 
is going to do, but the hope even in the midst of darkness that he will bring. So much so that because of the Messiah coming, there will be no more gloom, there will be no more sin, there will be no more judgment on the people of God. You see, a Messiah will come, (laughs) and he will be the anointed of God. That's what Messiah means. He will have been blessed by God. He will have been empowered by God. He, the Messiah, will be enabled by God in order to come to this world and make things right. You see, the picture is given of Jesus. A light will shine. Jesus himself, John chapter 8, verse 12, says, I am the light of the world. He knew the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 9. He knew what he was saying when he said, I am the light of the world. I want to tell you, my friends, as Jesus came and as he knew who he was, he came as a powerful and penetrating light into the darkness of a world that had rebelled against God and which needed to be made right in the eyes of God. You see, Jesus would illuminate so that we might see. You know, this, this is a powerful picture of darkness in which people live. Have you, ever, have you ever been or needed to walk through a room that is completely pitch dark? You know, I have occasion, there's a, a door over there which is connected to our office block, and I have occasion midweek, usually early because I've forgotten my sermon notes uh, at the sound booth, and I have to come in on a Monday morning, and, and it's dark. The, the blinds are down, the lights are out. It is pitch dark in here. And I stand there and I think, hmm, I wonder if I can make it over there. Can't see a thing, but I think I can. I know, the, I know where the wall is. I know where the chairs are. I know where the booth is. And so I walk through this incredibly dark space, but invariably somebody has left a chair where it shouldn't be. <laughs> and it's like, oh, like, you know, that kind of shock that you get and, and, you're, and you're in pitch dark, uh, pitch dark room. You see, the reality is I stumble because I can't see where I'm going. And that, my friends, is the reality of our world. Um, In so many ways, it is in darkness. And and we are stumbling along into war and into famine and into, into violence and into sexual insanity and into greed and into materialism. And we're living under the impending judgment of God. So says Scripture. And I want to tell you, (laughs) I want to tell you today from the word of God that into that dark world, a light has been shined. It it has shone brightly into the darkness. And his name is Jesus. John chapter 1, verses 1 to 12. I want to read this text to you because I think in this context, it's powerful. Let's read it together. John speaking of Jesus, referring to him as the word, capital W. In the beginning was the word, Christ. And the word was with God in the beginning. Think Genesis. And the word was God. That's who Jesus is. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Did you know that of the baby in the manger? Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was, there it is, the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He 
Jesus was in the world, and though the world uh, was made through him, the world did not recognize him because the world was in darkness and blind. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. I want to tell you, my friends, the Old Testament was not written in a vacuum. <laughs> the New Testament, I should say, was not written in a vacuum. It was written in light of the Old Testament and the powerful teaching of one named Isaiah. And this text gives incredible place to Jesus as the light of the world who pierced the darkness and came as the power of God to renew the world. What did that one who was the light of the world do? Chapter 9, verses 3 and 4 of Isaiah, it says in those texts that Jesus would end oppression, that Jesus would end the servitude of one group serving under another, it would, it would end the bondage of one group to another, and it would end the bondage of all people to sin and the power of evil in this world. We would be set free from it to become the children of God. Verse 5 says that a warrior's boot would be burned up. Warrior's boots literally were pieces of armor that, that warriors, fighters, wore on their feet and on their shins. And it says that the, 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 the garment rolled uh, uh, rolled in blood, would be burned up with that warrior's boot. What's being told is that when Jesus would come, because of that coming, someday there would be no more war and there would be no more violence and there would be no more of the suffering that those things bring into our world. And then verse 6. Verse 6. For unto us a child is born and a son is given. Note the word given. This one named Jesus would be a gift of God to humanity an act of grace an act of the love of God given to people in darkness and under judgment and in living in brokenness the Messiah would come and he would make things right and the government would be in his shoulders Jesus would bear the weight of governance of the entire world he would rule he would reign he would be our leader can you imagine the world ruled by Christ, the one who is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace, what the world would become? Take a moment and compare what the rule of Jesus will be compared to the rule of what it is at the moment under the leaders whom we have, who we have. Think about the United States. I'm going to be careful. I don't like being political when I stand here, but I want you to think about it. The executive branch in the Congress, the president and the House and the Senate, it's a mess. It's not working. The democracy, which has been an example for the world for more than 200 years, is broken. <laughs> that should worry us. Think about Vladimir Putin in Russia, that power-hungry dictator, apparently, because uh, just in the news now, he's been elected to be the president until 2024 now. He's the new czar with his ambitions and his aggression in the Ukraine and otherwise. Think of Robert Mugabe, the brutal dictator of Zimbabwe who has just been dislodged. After nearly 40 years of reign, think of Assad and Syria. I could go on and I could go on and I could go on. Compare their rule to what the rule of Christ will be someday. And that's good news. 
before we get to smug Canadians, I want to tell you a story. <clears throat> of my recent trip to Ottawa, Heather, my wife, was going to a conference. I had a couple of holidays left, holidays left. And I thought, why not? I'll go with her and I'm going to do something I've always wanted to do, having been a political junkie most of my life. I'm not so much anymore because it's disillusioning, honestly. My hope is in Jesus, not in politics. But I've always wanted to go to the House of Commons during question period, so I called her MP and I got my pass. I arrived on Parliament Hill and I went through two security checks, just like as if I was going onto an airplane. They took my cell phone away and they checked it. You can't have that in there. They said, do not speak, do not make any noise, do not talk, do not clap, do nothing. And I, and I found a seat in the gallery right behind the Prime Minister, directly behind him. And uh, it was really cool, I got to tell you. It, it was neat. I was there for question period. The House of Commons, think of the history. These are the people who govern our land and rule us. And it was a stately moment, an impressive moment, until they began to speak. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you why. For one hour and ten minutes... The opposition asked the question of the Prime Minister who answered all the questions that day, and they were grilling him about the Finance Ministry. You've probably heard it in the news, Bill Morneau and his potential conflict of interest. I'm not being political here. <laughs> Stumbling in the dark, so I am. And, and question after question after question with vehemence was given to the Prime Minister. And he stood up, I'm looking over the edge at him and he's got a piece of paper and for one hour and ten minutes he answered the questions that were asked of him with absolutely no reference to the question <laughs> zero could you tell us uh, when you, mr. prime minister you became aware of the conflict of interest of the minister of finance well I appreciate the question from the member from wherever and I would like him to know or her to know that 15,500 children are now receiving the new child benefit one hour and ten minutes. And if that wasn't bad enough, when he answered in the way that he did, the opposition would yell at him and they would catcall him and they would laugh at him and they would mock him. Like literally. It was remarkable. And I thought there, and I sat there and thought, oh, this is cool. At least it's entertaining. You know, they're all the famous politicians of our country. But afterwards I thought, you know, this is our leadership, this body. I'm being non-political here. This, this legislature, it is our leadership. They set the course for our country. They spend billions of dollars on our behalf, and they are acting like children. You know, my wife Heather grew up with a, a childhood friend all the way from kindergarten through high school. This woman went on to become a professor uh, and, and became an MP, and now she is a, a member of the cabinet. Kind of cool, huh? So we were going to Ottawa. I said, Heather, why don't you just email her and see if we can get together? You know, I'd love to talk to a cabinet minister. So it worked out really well. You know, we, you know she took us to the Chateau Laurier for dinner. Impressive, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I hate name dropping. I really do. But uh, <laughs> it was really fun. It was cool for those two to get together. They both have the same birthday in the same week. So that was the idea. And she told us the story of a, of a family that she knew that, that came to the question period. And this family had a little girl, I think six years old. And after question period, she said to her mom or her dad, I can't remember what she said, Mommy, they're not supposed to act like that, are they? A child knew better. I'm not kidding. 
A child knew better. Compare, my friends, what our governance will be like when the person of Christ is reigning over us. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. We will have a changed world in that day, and it will be good. See, my friends, the reality is, verse 7 tells us that Jesus will bring justice and righteousness to this world like it has never seen. There will be no more war, and there will be no more famine, and there will be no more violence, and there will be no more hatred, and there will be no more bigotry, and there will be no more children dying every 10 minutes because they lack so much. It won't be anymore. He will not allow it. He will not stand for it because of who he is. My friends, the darkness has been pierced by a powerful light. And someday people are going to see and bend the knee in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, this is the power of the Christmas story. This is the power of the Christmas story. In reality, this is the God story which we've talked about so much in recent months. The story of God and what has happened in this world in terms of rebellion against him, in terms of the judgment which is to come, in terms of the salvation that's come in Jesus, in terms of what will be when Christ returns in power. One of the questions I want to ask is, are you living this story? What relevance does that have to your life and to mine? One of the incredible connections to this dynamic is that every human being born in this planet is born into darkness, not into light. That's you and that's me. And that is many people whom you know. Every person whom you know. And, and the reality is that we live in idolatry, to use the context of Isaiah. We live in this place where we, we prioritize and we love and we live for other things, things other than God. And we are under the impending judgment of God as the Israelites were in that day because of it. And it's so incredibly important that we come to a place where we see and believe in and accept the rule of reign, rule and reign of Christ in our lives. Have you? There's probably not a more penetrating, powerful, significant question that I could ask you today. I want to read to you Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. I love this time of the year because we get to talk about who Jesus really is. It says this, For he, Christ, has rescued us from the dominion of, say it with me, darkness. The New Testament is not written in a vacuum. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his son he loves, in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sin. Have you been brought from the domain of darkness into which you were born? Has the light of Christ penetrated your mind and heart so that you see who he is, so that you recognize his lordship, so that you see him as savior, so that you confess your sin in his presence, so that you are forgiven through his redemption, so that you become, as John chapter 1 says, a child of God? For those of us who come to that place, and for this Christ died, for this Christ came and ultimately died and rose again. We, we, we are 
brought into this place of incredible blessing, light, sight, hope. As the text says earlier, joy. For those who have not yet walked that journey, they remain in the domain of darkness. And it's symbolized by the people of Israel as people lived in rebellion against God, as people lived exercising idolatry in their lives, as people lived in the brokenness of darkness. You see, my friends, in a couple of weeks, when you think of a child in a manger, think of him as Savior of the world and as Lord, the future coming King who will reign over us and bring incredible blessing. And ask yourself, am I his? <laughs> Has the light penetrated my mind and my heart? So much so that I have bent the knee in his presence to recognize him for who he is. And know the blessing of salvation that is offered by God. You know, we look at the child in the manger, and I want to suggest today that we are not to think of that child as weak. I know Jesus came in his birth in weakness, and he, in weakness he lived his life, and in his death he lived in weakness, but the reality is, my friends, he is the light of the world, the powerful, world-saving child of God who came to redeem and to save and to transform not only this whole world of ours, but our lives too. I want to I challenge you with this last reality. Jesus said, and I've referred to it later, John chapter 8, he said, I am the light of the world. I am that one that Isaiah spoke of. It's me. And then he said, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's a profound statement. We have the light of life. He said this in Matthew chapter 5, and this should knock your socks off. He said to his people, his followers, he said, you are the light of the world. No, 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 Jesus, we're not the light of the world. You are. You are the one who is promised. You are the one who has come. You are the one who, who, who pierced the darkness and illuminated the reality so that we might be, believe and be set free and have hope for our world someday. And Jesus says to us again through the power of his word, no, you are the light of the world. What does he mean? <laughs> he means this, for those who have come into the kingdom of God, come into the kingdom of his son, for those of us who have embraced him by faith, the light of Christ dwells in us. And the light of Christ shines through us to illuminate the darkness that we experience. And we are called to be the people of God who go into this world and do, who bring this light and who bring the things that, that Jesus will bring in its fullness and in, in its completeness when he returns in power. We are to bring peace and we are to bring joy and we are to bring equality and we are to overcome oppression. And we are to live righteously and bring righteousness into this world. And thus I ask you, are you living this story? Have you stepped into Christ so that you become the light of the world? And are you living your life with passion so that the darkness might be dispelled? This is our vision as a church, isn't it? We've talked about it at length, that we would be used in a powerful way, representing the presence of Jesus in this world to change this world. And this Advent season, this 
time when we're approaching the recognition and the celebration of that child born in a manger. I just want to say to you, with love and with grace, with all of my heart, do you know Jesus? Have you received him as Savior and Lord? If you don't know the answer to that question, it's probably because you're still living in darkness and you can't see. Because those who step into light get it and they recognize it. And I want to tell you, their hearts have been transformed and they become like the heart of Jesus. And they live for him and for his purposes, not for the idols that this world offers to us. My friends, when Jesus comes in power, the world will be made new. And we will know everything that we long for as humanity. When Jesus comes to the manger in two weeks tomorrow, will you recognize him for who he is? Will you bend the knee in his presence? Will you give your life to the things of God, the things for which Jesus came? Will the light shine through you in power, penetrating the darkness? that the world might be made new. I pray that that is so. And I pray that you know this one named Jesus. And I invite you into a relationship with him if you haven't taken that step of faith. Trust him. Find forgiveness in him. And live your life for him in joy. Let's pray. Gracious God, keep us from a sentimental... Um, and reduced understanding of this season. Open our eyes, Lord. Let the light shine into our hearts so that we can understand the power of what happened on the day that Jesus was born. And God, as we celebrate this coming, even now and especially as, as we embrace that day, let us understand, God, what you did in, in the birth of Christ. Let us know and believe and be changed by the reality of the promise of Christ come into a dark world living under the judgment of God. And let us embrace him with all of our hearts. God, we would pray that we might be the people who shine the light of Christ, that we might be a church which shines the light of Christ to overcome the darkness so that others can see. God, this Christmas, help us to celebrate the coming of the powerful, darkness-piercing light of the world, Jesus Christ himself. Amen. We're going to come to communion now, and we are going to celebrate with passion and with joy and with a deep thankfulness what Christ has done for us. Um, but we will do so in the recognition that too often we live in darkness even when the light has shone uh, too often we are the idolaters we're going to be talking more about that in the new year but our hearts go toward other things we learn to love other things and we learn to live for things other than the Lord Jesus himself and as we come to communion, my friends, I'm inviting you now to uh, join me in a prayer of confession. Because as we come to this table, we come to Christ. He said, these elements represent me. And by my spirit, you can receive them. 
And in so doing, you commune with me. I don't know about you, but I know my heart. And I know there are times when my heart chases after other things, and I love things I shouldn't love. And like the Israelites of old, I rebel against my God. And because of that, I need the forgiveness of God in and through the person of Jesus Christ. This table is for all of those of you who trust him as Savior and Lord. Before we share these elements, I'm going to invite you to pray with me now that we might restore in the fullest of means, measures, our fellowship with Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we celebrate with great joy the promise of...